This is Unclaimed Bands, show 119. Hey, music, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands, and tonight we're coming from the van, RV, mm-hmm. of Downset, as they're here in Philadelphia getting ready to play at the Electric Factory. Uh, welcome, guys. Thank you uh, for taking time to do this interview and have us come over. Um, can I just get you to tell us who you are and what you do in the band? Sure, thanks for having us. Uh, my name is James, and I play bass in Downset. Good afternoon, my name is Ray, or best song vocalist. Cool, cool. Thank you, James. Ray, glad you could be here uh, to do the show and glad you could have us in to do, do this interview. Uh, before we get started with the questions, why don't we uh, play a song for everybody uh, out there so they know what it's about in case they don't know, which I don't know who wouldn't, to be quite honest. Uh, what song are we going to hear? Uh, this is the title track of our recent release. This one is called One Blood. Okay, this is One Blood.
right, that was One Blood. Guys, uh, I bought the whole album. Love it. It's great stuff. Thank you. I, I got it on 21st when it came out. and uh, But I want to ask, can you tell us a little bit about One Blood? That's all. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's think about the lyrics here. Mm-hmm. We've done our best to break down the walls, only to become a stage for flamboyant demigods. I don't believe we can express our truest moment until we embrace the simplistic, uh, the simplistic nature of our fusion. Okay, I think that's very self-explanatory. Uh, in the last five years, from what I've, from my brief analysis, is that both the hip hop movement and the hardcore movement has turned into. Uh, it's just more public now. It's more public. You know, I think that when you look at the hardcore scene, that it's a little more frowned upon than the hip hop scene because the hip hop scene is a lot more com- commercial than the hardcore oh, yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, both have always been a medium of uh, to project political ideas, both through the graffiti art and through music. So, what I ain't gonna hold up. The dream will never fold up. Rebirth of a division that awoke us, uprising side by side again, building, ain't lost that feeling, believing. So really what it is, it's an assessment and a reevaluation of ourselves. And that's really where I think the hardcore movement and the hip hop movement should be right now. Because the more, the bigger it gets, the more public it gets, what happens is that the uh, the uh, it breeds these cycles of apathy. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You know when people when somebody has you know a five thousand dollar gold chain and a hat tilted to the side, and they got you know a two hundred dollar pair of shoes, and they're walking down the street, they don't realize how many of them are thinking about the South Bronx in 1972 when Spanish kids and black kids and poor white kids in the South Bronx were trying to create an environment to escape all of the bad things that were happening where hip-hop came from. You know, it's like in order for us to really know where we're going, we have to remember, always remember where we came from. And that's what I'm saying here. We've done our best to break down the walls only to become a state for flamboyant demigods. I'm not saying I'm not hating on people and what it is that they do. I just I'm hoping that people can reassess the actual because out of the '60s, you know, out of the early '70s, we came out right out of the '60s, which bred the environment that made the hardcore movement and hip hop. You know, don't forget about you know what it was that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and all of these other Medgar Evers, all these people who put their lives on the line so that we can have a meager chance to be treated as equal human beings, you know, and that that movement is what set up everything that happened in the 70s. Let's not forget about the history of American society. So, you know, bands like Downset are, uh, you know, what we're doing is, is we're, we're doing that. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just not that song. I mean, reading the lyrics along with you know going through the music and all that. You guys, um, you know, 
use uh, to me a lot of bands, like you said, very commercialized. They use things just kind of like, oh, well, and I'm not hating on that. No, 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 not at all, not at all. I mean, it was it, it, I, neither am I. I'm just saying that, like, you know, some most people choose to write about something, and at the end of the day, when you really listen to the song, what really was that about? You know, it, it's something they're talking about something, but what are they really saying? Where you guys seem to. Uh, Take your take your music and your lyrics, your opportunity for your songs to actually talk about real topics in a real way, and present it in an entertaining fashion too. Yeah, I think I think that uh, I think it's tangible for people because people like to rock. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, people yeah. like to rock. So, and and you know, everything happened just out of the natural essence of what it was, how we were living, and what we were doing. So, you know. Downset is a mix of hip hop and hardcore, and this is our latest presentation of the, both of those mediums. Do you do you find when you, when you guys sit down to write uh, write songs and stuff? Do you find it difficult sometimes? And um, let, let me explain this exactly what I'm going to say here. Do you find it difficult to write about certain issues and lyrically with some of the words? I mean, I looked at it, I go, wow, these guys are. They're definitely pulling out the big words here in a good way, okay? But do you find it difficult to, to write songs in a, in a um, I want to say lyrically, where it connects, where for for like making making lyrics rhyme for the phrasing? Do you find uh, it difficult to well, do that and, well, and, and make it entertaining? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand your question. Um, no, and I'll tell you why. It's it's something that has always come natural to me. And when I when I uh, like when James writes a baseline, he's not writing it. It's just something that comes through him, and and it has it's uh, it comes out how it does. For me, it's the same thing. Phonetically, I can I can I understand language. I'm a writer, and it's very normal for me. And uh, now, with that in mind, how we project political ideas is. Uh, my responsibility as a writer because that's my agenda that's my personal agenda so phonetically I can make it rhyme and you have to when you're trying to project a certain idea you know you put both of those together it's not it's not hard for me at all man it comes very natural wow that's that's cool to the dots that's, that's definitely cool to the dots because I, I would I, I think that some if, if I if I read certain you know part of your lyrics and if I were to sit there and say okay how do I make the next thing, you know, rhyme like that? It would, it would, you definitely have command over the, the language. Let me just tell you that. I'm really, really impressed by that. As well it, as the it, music. It's, it's, you know, but that's, that's, I'm just taking, I'm taking things like, you know, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, great writer. Mm-hmm. Noam Chomsky, great writer. So these are all people that I've, you know, uh, you know, especially Noam Chomsky, you know, it's a second, the language is, is, there's a part of our uh, evolution as a species, man. It's you know, it's one of the most, it's one of the most important uh, topics in human society. Because how, if you think about it, it's like how are the people absorbing what we're doing here through the medium that we're uh, projecting to the society? It's through language. Yeah, I just, I, I, but you know, I find it funny. You, you say that, and you're absolutely right. But we're increasingly seeing more and more people turning, like with texting and stuff, turning to, you know, shorthands and and abbreviations for language. So much so that some of those words are actually getting added to the dictionary now. <laughs> you know, evolution. It's, it, but is it evolution or almost? 
it's 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 devolution of the of the it's devolution of the actual skill of language, exactly. but it's the evolution of of via technology and ease. Yeah. Um, it's ultra ease, so mm-hmm. everything becomes ultra shorthand, ultra. Uh, in my opinion, less meaningful. I agree. I totally agree. Who, for both of you, who uh, musically who uh, has influenced you guys coming up? Uh, Ms. James and um, personally, I we stand on the back of a lot of giants. You know, musically, I think that it, I was fortunate enough to come up as like a punk rock kid where you kind of made your own rules, and so I always looked to sort of musicians that made their own rules as well like Joe from Fugazi Joe Lally Fugazi and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers um, I, I love me being a Los Angelino uh, just that sort of syrupy funk like groove was just always you know, I got it because I, I you know I, I understood where that heart and soul was coming from um, just all the great punk rock bands you know D.I. Black Flag uh, social distortion. There's some great players, some great rhythm players, some great drummers, and some great bass players. And I think that once I figured out I could at least play the same three chords and the same three measures that they could, the rest was just understanding that give it style, give it give it flair, and, and realize that it's not easy. They just make it look deceptively easy. So uh, hardcore, punk rock, hip hop, big beats, anything that goes boom bap that I can, you know. You know, Ron Carter on bass, the jazz player, um, so many, Bootsy Collins, all those great imagineers of looking at a, a bass and just saying, I can take a walk, and it's all good, let's take a walk, and, and that's, that's fun, that's cool. For me, uh, man, um, I think uh, one of the most progressive points in uh, American history and music was uh, Marvin Gaye's record What's Going On okay because what he came out of he came out of the entertainment industry as uh, as his father they were in church yeah okay and what happened at that point was that they uh, he made a bridge between popular popular culture and political ideas and if you listen to that record and what he's saying, it's still relative to this day. So that was that was always very, very, very inspiring. Uh, so Marvin Gaye, had, you know, uh, was was very inspiring to me. Uh, um, you know, uh, Roger from Agnostic Front. You know, for me, when I was really young, I went to go see him at uh, at some really small. Uh, it wasn't small; it was about five hundred people were there. And uh, I remember, I remember when I was there. It was uh, I always had been uh, an agnostic front fan. But when I found out that you know he was Spanish, to me I was like, wow, man. I felt because you have to understand the points of segregation in society in Los Angeles. Black kids are on one side, the Spanish kids are on the other, the white kids are on the other. You stay in your own place, and that's it. Those were the rules. But to see somebody, uh, you know, who was Spanish saying, you know. You know, Punctus Skins, United Strong. To me, that was like back then. Nobody was saying that. You know, I think people were. There was a couple of things that were happening, but it wasn't something that was projected to the society in a large scale. So, to me, Roger was groundbreaking in in that uh, in that uh, 
regard and it was really really inspiring to me so you know people like roger and i think people overlook that man that dude's one of the most overlooked spanish-speaking uh, latin artists in the world to me you know what i'm saying it's like uh how can i say it um you know the, the uh jennifer lopez for example okay she's very important she's very inspiring to people she, uh, she deserves everything that she has and has done, but I think that people like Roger, just because the, uh, maybe hardcore isn't as uh, as uh, absorbed into the society as you know uh, R and B, that she has the uh, the privilege of of uh, being regarded in the scale that she's in. Roger is doing different kind of music so I think that that because of that it's he's not regarded in the stature that he should be so you know he was very inspiring aspiring to me Marvin Gaye and as a writer Noam Chomsky to me is like it's just unreal like I listen to him in his language and he'll pick a topic like let's say the uh let's say the uh the problem in uh, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, like he, it, the way he describes that phonetically in language, it's just un unbelievable. Man. unbelievable. Yeah, it really is, man. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I tell you what, why don't we take a pause and let everybody listen to another song? Uh, what are we gonna let them listen to now? Uh, we're gonna go from a new track on our album called Champion. All right, this is Champion. When we reach the corner, we emerge to astonished eyes. If you can't reach the sky then why should I raise it up raise it up just do it
Club's champion. So, what's the best place for anybody out there, just in case they, they don't know, what's the best place for them to go keep up with the band and get the latest news? www.downset.co you can also get with me personally uh, on Instagram at Ray Downset. Cool. That way, all right, everybody, you know where to go find these guys now and keep up with them. There's no excuses. Um, what, what's the? You guys are on tour now, and you know you've toured in the past and stuff like that. What's the best part about touring, and what's the worst part about touring? Um, for me, uh, I think the best part about touring is to see the fruits of your labor. Uh, come to life just to go to a place like Philadelphia where we are today and see uh, a lineage being sort of unfold like it's been 20 years now and then you'd watch it go from 10 kids in a garage to 6,000 here at the electric factory and to sort of be an elder statesman in the hardcore scene and like the watch that whole movement have unfolded and step out there and sort of see 20 years of of music come come back at you things that you've given and sweated for and worked very hard on come back and that's the best part knowing that you made art that in some way touched someone and that's forever you know that that yeah. means that you at least you got that so that's my favorite part you know and and food like all these <laughs> these different cities that have their own specialty and i try to seek out whatever that sort of because I'm in you know, life is too short not to eat everything and listen to everything <laughs> so that's the best part I'd say the, the worst part would be sometimes um, on on like sort of the punk rock level lack of showers straight up like not being able to you know change your clothes uh, cleanly and some of the more grimy roughing it aspects uh, maybe if the you know conditions aren't right you're not really sleeping more than an hour or two a day and so that, when you compound that into a series of weeks and months, that'll kind of fray some nerves. So that would be the worst part. But it's worth it because you get out here and, you know, what's not to love? I mean, you're playing music in front of people that love it. Yeah. Oh, right? I'd say the uh, the worst thing for me is uh, leaving my work. I'm a union organizer at home, so we're constantly working on uh, workers' rights, immigration reform. Uh, tons of topics we're addressing right now that are very important. We just voted in a new contract, so I'm involved. Yeah. And when I leave, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just... Because that is a political agenda. It's progressive. That's an extension of, of what it is that I do away from the band mm -hmm. that has relevance in the society that I live in. So leaving, leaving work kind of sucks. Um, the best thing is meeting people, man. You know, it's like I have the privilege, like James was saying, that people that have, have absorbed our work and it's become a real serious part of their lives. So we can go to, to Melbourne, Australia. We can go to uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. We can go to New York City. We can go to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. We can go to Quebec, Canada. And we're all going to meet somebody who just has got, you know, big love for us. So meeting the people is probably... Uh, it's by far the best, man. For you know, you guys, like I said, twenty years. Okay, uh, what do you what do you think's been the the I don't want to say the secret or what do you account for the longevity of this band and and you know so far and what what are you going to use for that going forward to, to help sustain it? What do you think that is for for you guys together? Um, I would say that just not having ever tried to do it too hard um, personally. 
just loving the fact that I was playing bass and the, that those four strings did something to me personally. And I was it never was contingent on if it gets to the next level or if something is it good enough or it it was just always something that was pure joy, and it and it happened to fit in with three or four of the guys that also had pure joy and did and the way it came together with beats and music created something on whatever margin that was you know good enough to to make have some kind of sticking point you know I attributed a lot of that it was the the music you know people love to rock like Ray said and Ray's got all kinds of stuff to say you know there's all kinds of um, lyrical you know there's layers and layers and volumes of you know lyrical topics and ideas that he's doing that I think people come back to and and we were we were and are a, a, a live band yeah and I think that's kind of it pre exempts the internet age where there's it's we're not an internet band mm-hmm. we're a live band we, we literally came off you know the, the skin off our backs and, and you know the, the blood in our tears all these this, this fan base it just was it was built from the ground up with the right tools and strong lumber Ray, what do you think? Uh, <clears throat> I'm an artist so that means that I'm always painting I'm always uh, writing songs um, these things are going to be with me regardless of the public's opinion or or ideas about popular culture I'm going to be doing what I do regardless of whether people are paying attention or not. And for the last, you know, two and a half decades, uh, you know, that's that's really what what uh, keeps me going. It's like it's such a personal... Because when I leave the venue tonight, you know, these 6,000 people aren't coming with me. Yeah. I'm going by myself to my home by myself and that is what it's always been about it's been a personal experience and it's very personal and the paradox to that is Downset is luckily a band that can do it whenever they want and the public that wants to respond to our work is going to be there they're going to be there Yeah, we're lucky man we're a really you know for, there's tons of artists in the world that you know I f- try really hard to to uh, to be accepted by their society you know and some of them never get to that point and we're lucky that 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 we have but I think it's because we really put our hands on hip-hop and hardcore and because of those two relative uh, mediums of popular culture that it's just you can't stop it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, there's pe- people are going to play heavy riffs. People are going to spin records. People are going to be busting rhymes. People are going to be, you know, people are going to be up in Philly rocking rhymes and playing heavy guitar riffs. And nothing's going to stop that. And because of that, we're going to, people who are involved with those two types of music are going to always, you know, like downset and that is the central core of our uh privilege of being able to sustain ourselves it's them it's not us oh yeah it's them it really is them because you know the show tonight doesn't today doesn't matter without them (laughs) (laughs) that's right you're right um 
Well, before we wrap everything up here, guys, is there anything you want to say to your fans out there? Um, I just want to say, you know, thank you. What an honor it, 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 is, it is once again to have been able to do something that started in your bedroom or in a garage or in a horse stable where we used to practice and watch it literally grow legs and, and walk the earth and to watch something that we created without expectation become bigger than the the sum of its parts you know it, it's yes. it's it's bigger than me or anyone in the band it, it now is it belongs to the the listening the fan base and it's it's been an honor to to be to make something that that is bigger than myself and i would just had a blast thank you to the fans who support who buy the records and you know come to the the shows and who show us all the love thank you so much yeah, I want to big give big ups to uh, to radio uh, nationwide, and uh, I want to thank everybody for coming out to the shows. I want to thank everybody uh, in the band for coming out and doing the tour, and I want to thank everybody for coming out to the show. We got a new record out called One Blood. Get with us. And we want to thank you guys. Thank you guys for having us and for being part of that. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Uh, all right, everybody. This is uh, Sean from Unclean Bands. Our guests have been Downset, uh, Ray, James. Thank you very much. Uh, until t- next time, everybody. Uh, we'll see. You. All right. See you guys. Cool. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of Unclean Bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries. <laughs>